here we go. Live from the White Claw Hard Seltzer Studios, it's overtime with William Patterson, Dawson Wise, and Jace Brown on a Thursday night. And on today's show, we'll talk about the Patriots announcing Bill Belichick will not return with the Pats in 2024. We'll give our best bets as well, but we begin today's episode with Tennessee falling to Mississippi State in the SEC road opener last night. Number five, Tennessee falls to Mississippi State 77-72 to Wednesday night despite Dalton Connect's 28 points involves 50 points in the second half. Zakai Ziegler had another impressive night with 26 points, seven assists, and three steals. But the Vols had no answer for the Bulldogs' tandem of John Hubbard and Tolu Smith, who combined for 48 points last night. Uh, kind of a disappointing loss, I mean, really all the way around. Uh, first half, I, I thought... Uh, kind of came out a little slow, looked a little bit out of sorts. And uh, something Dawson and I talked about yesterday was, you know, a, a couple times last year we really struggled on the road in conference play. And we were hoping to kind of start the new year and the new conference play off the right way, and they're not able to get it done. So, uh, guys, I'll ask around the table here. What was your biggest takeaway from the Vols loss last night? We'll begin with Dawson. I got three, and I think they go back to what I said yesterday when I gave my three keys to last night's game. And the first one is you got to be able to guard Tolu Smith and have a paint presence. Man, he just did not do that. Uh, Jonas Adu, Tobey Awaka fall flat uh, big time in a big game last night both offensively and defensively, which I'm, I'm a little bit surprised. Uh, defensively, I, I kind of said they were going to have to manage Tolu Smith, um, and that's one of the keys I gave. But at the same time, you wanted them to show up offensively. They, they did not do that either, especially Jonas Adu. A rough night for him. The biggest thing for me was the inconsistency of Vescovy and Triple J and the, the veteran guys off the bench that you just did not get a lot out of. Yeah. And it, mm. You combined for five points between Vescovy, Jordan Ganey, and Triple J, and that's just that's not a good formula to be winning road SEC games at all. And Two positive notes, though. Dalton Connect, we talked about him getting his mojo back. I think he did it last night in a big way, 28 points. And Zakai Ziegler, we talked about Ziegler. Another big night for him. So on the bright side, yeah, you lost, but you have a couple at least bright spots to look forward to uh, later in conference play. Yeah, big one off the rip for me like he just hit on was seeing Dalton Connect kind of find himself once again. He's had several weeks where he's just been not what we saw to start the year, especially after that uh, initial uh, preseason game against Michigan State, stuff like that. We haven't really seen him at that upper echelon tier that we know we've seen him from. Uh, another thing, we have been all season so long against these upper echelon type of big men. We, we've just been getting bullied down low. I mean, it's starting to become an issue against these better teams, especially on the road in the SEC where nothing is going to be easy. Um, and, again, this is just merely a glimpse to me of how tough this SEC road season is going to be. Like you said, we went 4-6 and six last year, and, I mean, off to a rough, rough start to get things on the road. Yeah, so a couple takeaways from me. First off, Dalton Connect, a guy Dawson and I talked about a lot yesterday. Good to see him back. Um, wasn't really – playing up to par in that first half of that second half he was huge when the Vols needed it most you know trailing on the road you need a big second half push Don Connect gave that uh, Zakai Ziegler was great once again a guy that over these last five games has probably been Tennessee's best player if you're taking the five game sample size um but you mentioned, you know, yesterday you wanted to see Jordan Ganey get more involved. Didn't really see that yesterday. A couple bad turnovers uh, really wasn't a, an impact for the Vols. Um, Viscovi, Josiah Jordan James, two guys that are your kind of glue guys, your seniors, been there for a while. Uh, you know, they know how to play on the road. And last night, I uh, didn't really get that from them. So uh, that was kind of my takeaway from each kind of 
individual player. Now, from a broad perspective, I think last night kind of exposed a lingering problem that we've kind of had in the back of our minds since we went to Maui when we played Purdue and Kansas and got in foul trouble. And you saw, obviously, Zach Eadie's not a guy you're facing every night at 7-4, but still that lack of a a, a, a center presence and deep center presence. And I, I think it raises the question, guys, are the Vols too thin at center to make a run in March? Last night, Josiah, or excuse me, Jonas Adu finished with just 20 points and ended up fouling out as a result. Tolu Smith, game on the line, gets a big and one to put the game kind of away. So are the Vols too thin at center? Is that a, is that a ridiculous take? I don't think it's ridiculous. I did not want to say yes, uh, but after efforts like last night, it's hard to say no, right? Um, you need a dominant, constant center presence. I think you're getting improvement from Jonas Adu for sure, uh, but you need somebody that's constant, and Jonas Adu just hasn't proved that to us yet. Yeah, he's he's been very hit or miss. I mean, we've seen him throw down 24-29 a night, getting double-doubles like he did uh, this past weekend against Ole Miss, but once again, like we need to – it just kind of worries me. J.P. Estrella, another big body that we have down low, young guy, hasn't really been in that much. And, you know, Tobey, he does good when he's in there for the most part, but he's just not got the height or and the length to get things done down there. Yeah, Tobey's a guy that a lot of people talked about, and, and I did too, coming into the new season because uh, he was really productive this year uh, when he was playing for Team USA. I, I should say this summer when he was playing for Team USA. And he was a guy that maybe could have been, uh, maybe could have turned the corner from last year where he was kind of inconsistent and maybe you could have had a really big year for him. And so far we've not seen that. And in particular, he seems to be outmatched every time he faces another center. And when Adu gets in foul trouble, Awaka is going to be the guy that's coming in. And you mentioned Estrella, but I think you have to put Awaka in based off the fact that, you know, he's got more minutes. He's, he's you know, been here more times than Estrella has. So, um, I, I think it's definitely a question because coming out of Maui, my question was, okay, is this something that's going to continue? If Adu gets in foul trouble, does Tennessee now kind of turn into a little bit of a shell of themselves because they don't have the personnel? And last night, game on the line, Tolu Smith is matched up against Awaka, and they bring the double, and it doesn't matter because the height differential is too big, and Tolu Smith makes the bucket. You know, big players make big plays. Tolu Smith did that. And uh, ended up coming out of there with a loss. Uh, not a not a great Mississippi State team, not a bad Mississippi State team, but that's a win that if you want to be a top one or two seed come March, those are wins you have to find and win. You know, uh, it's it's not like you know you have so many opportunities on the road in a close game to get those wins, and losses like that kind of hurt. They kind of sting. Um, and last year the Vols were four and six on the road. So far this season the Vols are one and two went on true road games. Now, obviously, we've played a couple uh, you know, in San Antonio and Maui, but those don't really count. Just true road games. Vols are 1-2 this year. So, will we see a repeat of last year's trend on the road once again this year? I hope not. I mean, you hope that that team has taken a step. This is where you want your veterans to step up. This is where you want guys like Vescovy and Josiah Jordan-James and, and Zakai Ziegler, although he did last night. But you want those other two guys to score points because they know how to do it. They've been there. They've done that. You didn't get that last night, and if you continue to not get that, you're going to continue to, to, to lose. I mean, you're not going to win games if you're having your veteran guys combined for five points, it, especially when they're getting starting minutes. Uh, Connect and Zakai can only do so much. Yeah. I mean, they, they provide a huge boost. They scored 54 Tennessee 72 points yeah. last night, which is an, an incredible number, but they can't do it by themselves. No. Even against you know maybe these mid-tier SEC teams on the road, 
you still need that boost from your veteran guys. And in a week where you see number one go down, you see number two and number three, I think numbers 9, 10, 11 all lost as well, you need to win these games. It's a huge opportunity to shoot up the rankings and, and establish yourself in the top four. They, we were just not able to do that last night. Yeah, and I mean, coming off of our performance last night, I think we maybe had four points off the bench too. So even more on your point of we need those guys getting help. Uh, and, you know, as for road losses, you know, Mississippi State lost their first SEC game of the year at South Carolina. Uh, and another interesting fact, all home teams in this in the midweek SEC games won their, their matchups. And, I mean, like those games are going to be ones that you want to win if you want some buys in the SEC tournament, if you want a high seed in the NCAA tournament. So, I mean, these upcoming trips to Kentucky, A&M, uh, Arkansas is going to be tough because they always are. Those are going to be really imperative to those seedings. Yeah, 865-546-8200, your number if you want to hop in here. we got TJ, the Kentucky fan, on the line. What's up, TJ? Hey, what's up, guys? How y'all doing? Doing well. How are you? Pretty good. Hey, look, you know, real quick, talking about basketball, it's almost – I was watching the Tennessee game the other night. I was watching the Kansas game the other night. Uh, just like what happened to Kentucky against uh, UNC Wilmington, it's almost like these teams, once they get down, they almost get shell-shocked. Uh, by teams who they shouldn't be down against. Um, you know, UNCW with Kentucky, that game, they just stayed in the game the entire time. And, and I even said to myself, like, if they're still in it at halftime, they're going to lose. And it's almost like, you know, these, these top five, top ten teams get down five, ten, fifteen points to these teams who they should be. And it's just almost like their confidence just goes completely out the out the window, and you can see the writing on the wall. Yeah, I, I think sometimes when you're such a good team that you kind of you kind of come into games against lesser opponents, kind of expecting to win, and then when you start trailing, you're like, okay, well, well, surely we'll, they'll start missing shots, or surely we'll get it going soon. And sometimes it's just kind of a shock factor of a, oh wow, we're you know we're actually losing, we're actually trailing to a team that we on paper should beat. So. I think to, for teams that are so accustomed to winning and having pretty comfortable leads throughout the majority of a season, they're not very used to having to you know dig deep and come from behind and win games. And I think that separates a good team from a great team. Uh, you know, not, not to move over to football, but Michigan's a team that hasn't trailed at all this season, and they were trailing in that Rose Bowl against Alabama. They had to dig deep and find a way to win. A great team, and um, I think in college basketball and in really any sport, it applies as well. If you're a good team, you can win the games that you're supposed to win and, and have a comfortable lead. But when you trail, do you become a great team? Are you able to kind of fight through that adversity and make the big plays and make the shots and lock in defensively? So I think you make a great point. I think just sometimes teams just kind of don't know how to handle that situation, especially against a lesser opponent. Yeah, definitely. And, you know, I think it was two years ago, Kentucky against – I can't even remember this. The team now in the NCAA tournament, 15 seed and 2 seed. Um, you know, and even looking at 16 versus 1, UMBC against Virginia, I think it was. It's just if those kind of teams stay in the game after halftime, more than likely, if you're not a solid good team, you're going to get beat. And this year, I don't think there's one or two college basketball teams that you can look at and say, you know what, they're above the rest. That team is the team, and I think it, I think the field could be wide open next, uh, this year. I really do. Y'all have a good one, man. Thank you so much for calling in, TJ. Yeah, you know, I think with 
the transfer portal in NIL, it allows a lot of teams to be a lot more competitive because they can get some really good mid-major pieces or vice versa. Some of these mid-major schools can get a couple guys that are coming from Power 5 schools. And I think it's the great equalizer, or equalizer, I should say, uh, both in college football and college basketball. In college basketball, there are a lot more players to kind of be, to go around. So I think he makes a great point. I think last year we saw a little bit of that as well with having San Diego State and Florida Atlantic uh, in a Final Four, non-traditional uh, basketball schools making it that far because I think – it just the playing field has been even more leveled out. So uh, TJ makes a great point there. When we come back, we'll talk about how the Patriots have announced Bill Belichick will not return with the Patriots in 2024. Ever been the coach who realized the team's gear just wasn't up to par? Well, if I'm being honest, that was me. Just a downright irresponsible and plain bad coach. Then SM Athletics changed the game. I want you to picture this. I walk into their store, a coach with a vision. SM Athletics didn't just see a coach. They saw a team's potential. And they delivered custom uniforms so striking. Our team's spirit soared. From cutting-edge apparel to top-notch equipment, SM Athletics transformed our presence. No more unreliable online orders or envying the other team's style. SM Athletics stands for quality, design, and on-time delivery every time. Coaches, elevate your team with SM Athletics. Call 865 966-3434 or visit smathletics.com. Get the best for your team. Delivered right and on time. So, elevate your team's game by contacting SM Athletics today. We make it easy to save money. Get access to thousands of discounts on shopping, dining, and travel with the CNB Plus Perks account. It's a powerful new way to save money with roadside assistance, cell phone protection, identity theft protection, and credit monitoring. Banking at CNB has its perks. Call or stop by a branch for more details. Citizens National Bank. Banking never felt so good. Member FDIC. A brand built in Tennessee and born from the love of the game. Inward Half revolutionizes golfing comfort. Crafted by a former pro and dedicated enthusiast just like you, our luxury performance wear guarantees you stay cool and comfortable through every swing and every day. We're not just a brand. We've set out to create a lifestyle for those who understand that impeccable style and premium performance are a hole-in-one. Enjoy the walk-in with Inward Half. White Claw delivers a wave of pure refreshment and a variety of flavors. From the originals like black cherry and mango to new flavors like passion fruit and blackberry. Crafted using our unique brew pure process, White Claw delivers a crisp taste with only 100 calories, 5% alcohol, and only 2 grams of carbs. Check out your favorite retailer in store or online for White Claw variety packs, single flavor packs, and 16 ounce single serve cans. White Claw Hard Seltzer. Please drink responsibly. Are you ready to elevate your driving experience? Then you need to head over to your hometown dealership, Parkside Kia, home of the lifetime warranty. Discover the latest Kia cars and SUVs where technology meets style. Our friendly staff is here to make your car buying experience a breeze. Don't wait. Visit Parkside Kia today and drive home in the Kia of your dreams. Check them out online at parksidekia.com and visit their showroom at 9929 Parkside Drive. 
Parkside Kia, where your journey begins. Matlock Tire and Auto Service, proudly serving East Tennessee since 1953. At Matlock, they provide hometown service you can trust. Whether you need a great deal on a new set of quality tires, or you're just looking for a trustworthy place to get your oil changed and tires rotated, Matlock is there for you with five locations across East Tennessee. Find your nearest location and schedule your service online today at matlocktireservice.com. Support those who support Fan Run. Support Matlock Tire Service and Auto. I met her down at Althea. She said that she saw me walking in about a mile away. Bean just had to take her phone and I just took her smile away. She said I'm too drunk and crazy. She don't like the way I dance. I said you don't Segment number two of hour number one here on a Thursday night in Knoxville, Tennessee. It's overtime. And... The Patriots, guys, uh, announced Bill Belichick will not return with the Pats in 2024. Uh, Belichick coached the Pats for 24 seasons, winning six Super Bowls, nine conference championships, and 17 divisional titles. Uh, Belichick leaves New England with 333 career wins. Uh, that's including the playoffs, ranking second all-time behind Don Shula. And with Belichick's 347 wins, uh, Belichick, George Hallis, and Curly Lambeau are the only NFL coaches with six championships since the league began postseason play in 1933. A historic, uh, historic coach. It seems like the last 24 hours we've seen Pete Carroll, an historic coach, Nick Saban, a historic coach, and now Bill Belichick all either be removed or retire uh, from their specific situations they're in, all of them a little bit different. But um, I'll ask you guys this first. Did the Patriots make the right move here? I think they did. Uh, I think it was you know getting to the point that, that Belichick has had an incredible career, and I don't think you can take anything away from him, but it was getting to the point that they needed to start over. Uh, you know, what a mess it's become in New England, and I'm not faulting that to Bill Belichick, but it's become a mess, and you're going to need to start over. You're going to need to hit the restart button here at some point. They're lost in the wilderness after Tom Brady. You can tell uh, it's just been a dysfunctional mess ever since that. They thought they had Belichick's next project quarterback in Mac Jones. He does not pan out. Bailey Zappi, we know what you're getting in him when you put him out on the field. Yeah, no. <laughs> um, so, and the most you could do since Tom Brady left New England was a wild card round matchup against Buffalo, and that I mean they got blown out in that game. They were never yeah. in that game. And so while Belichick has all his achievements, it was time to move on. Yeah, absolutely the right move here. I mean, of course, like you said, that Brady run was untouchable. I don't think it'll ever happen again. Uh, and really, like you said, he really just hasn't been able to find a replacement to fit his system and get it rolling like it was. Of course, of the Patriot identity has mainly been being hard-nosed on defense and finding a way to win with the offense, but they really haven't had that. And, you know, several years in the gutter, uh, it's plenty for them to excuse the move. Yeah, and, and Dawson, like we talked about yesterday with Pete Carroll, you know, a defensive-minded coach is has the opportunity to be successful, but you've got to have a really good quarterback. And Geno Smith was not that for Seattle, and uh, Lord forbid – Mac Jones was that was not that either uh, uh, for the Patriots. So I, I think Belichick has had an untouchable resume, an incredible run, um, but it kind of felt like it was uh, like a like a band that's gone on for too long. It's still trying to go on tour, and the the voices sound bad, the drums don't sound as good, and they're still just trying to go on tour to sell tickets. But it, it's not really working anymore, and, and that's kind of what the Patriots were. It was like, okay, Bill Belichick's still there, so 
Maybe they'll be competitive this year. But the the drums and the singers of the band, the Mac Joneses and Devontae Parker getting deals, Juju Smith-Schuster getting a deal, that, that kind of stuff was just dysfunctional and a mess. And I think when you look at over the last three to four years of the Patriots without Tom Brady – it's been a lot of a lot of questionable decisions from top to bottom, uh, you know, drafting punters and kickers before uh, weapons offensively. Uh, when you have one of the worst offensive units for multiple seasons in a row, that was a question mark. Hiring Matt Patricia to come in and even though he's a defensive-minded guy, coach your offense, that was a questionable decision, and it, it just felt like everything was. Uh, not being run to the the same T that it was when Brady was there. So I I think it was the right move. And uh, maybe if they hit on a quarterback in the draft a couple of years ago, maybe we would not be having this conversation right now. Um, But, you know, a bad quarterback is not going to be able to overcome dysfunctionality. And uh, that's been exactly what the Patriots have been. Bad quarterback play, bad offense and just a dysfunctional organization. So uh, I think it was the right move. And and now I raise the question, does the post-Brady era affect Belichick's legacy looking back on it? No, I don't think it does. It can't, right? I mean, it was two decades of pretty much unmatched success. And we've not seen an NFL coach like Belichick have the same results that he has, you say, for a very few. Like, it's a very limited club. Uh, So I say no. Uh, Tom Brady or not, what he did, six championships over the course of two decades, countless playoff wins. I mean, even if they weren't winning the championship, they were there yeah. You know, probably 10 of the 24 years that he coached in New England. And that, I think, is an accomplishment in itself. It speaks to the job that he has done in New England. Um, so, no, I, I don't think the last few years of dysfunctionality – most of which weren't really, you know, done by him. He, he's not to fault for most of the dysfunctionality. Uh, I don't think you can take it away from his legacy at all. Yeah, most of those that you brought up were felt like front office decisions that kind of messed up his flow. And of course, the leaving of Brady didn't help him either. But yeah, I don't really think this takes a chip off the block of his legacy. I mean, like you said, that six six rings in twenty years is impeccable. Uh, haven't seen it before. I don't think we'll see it again. Uh, now, what I do think it does. Again, I don't think it hits on his legacy. I just think it shows maybe how good Brady was. I know people throw him as a system quarterback. I kind of do in some sense, but, I mean, look what he did for that organization. The way I look at it is I kind of feel like it's almost 60-70% Brady, 30-40% Belichick. I think Belichick was a really good coach, but I think they also – had a guy in Brady that will never see someone like that again. And even when he went to Tampa Bay and was able to be successful there, then it's like, okay, you know, I think Belichick's great, but maybe Tom Brady was just really that good and was able to kind of uh, hoist them to that level over that time. Um, I don't think it necessarily changes the broad perspective, but I do think over the last couple of years it kind of changes where you uh, credit that run to. In terms of percentages, like I, you know, just said 60, 60, 70, you know, 30, 40. Um, and I think they were so successful because they had a really good quarterback, a gen, I mean, all time quarterback, and they were able to kind of turn some guys that might not really be weapons on other teams, like a Chris Hogan, a guy that was playing lacrosse and comes in and is a really serviceable wide receiver for them. And they were kind of able to bring in, you know, like a Randy Moss at the end of his career and turn him into a serviceable product. So they, I think it was a product of a really good quarterback. But when you have a really good defensive-minded coach 
that can work. And that marriage did work for the whole time he was there. And I think when we look at this in about 10 years, I think this whole kind of end to his era with the Patriots will kind of be swept under the rug, like like these kind of things are. Now in the present day right now, it's the first thing we think about. But in 10, 15 years, when we look back at Brady and Belichick and the Patriots in the 2000s and 2010s, it's going to be Belichick and Brady were so successful, and, and those two were the reason why. So I think right now it might uh, uh, affect his legacy just a tad just in the present day, but as we move on and as time goes on, I think we'll still consider what we've always considered, what many people have always considered, uh, you know, that they're a uh, all-time duo. Um, so now let's move into what the Patriots should do now. So Belichick's gone. Um, obviously going to have to probably get a new quarterback. Um, a lot of, lot of holes to patch here. What should the Patriots' plan of action be forward or going forward to get back to where they want to be step one is find an offensive mind and we talked about that extensively yesterday um just the direction the league is going i believe you brought up uh enemy formerly in kansas city now in washington uh i think he'd be a good fit if you want to go get an offensive mind i believe we also brought up uh, ben johnson yesterday heck you could go after him as well uh if you wanted an offensive mind i think that's first step Get a guy in there that has a good offensive mind, can develop a quarterback, especially if you're going to draft one, which it appears they're in a very good spot to do so this year. Um, But then that's step two, draft your franchise quarterback. I don't know which of the quarterbacks it is. You're in a position to draft Drake May, I think, at number two. If if the Bears bite on Williams, if Williams falls to you at two, maybe you draft him at two. Uh, But you get a quarterback that you can develop and become your new franchise um, and start to build around him, build pieces around him. you got to go into traditional rebuild now. That's about the only option they have left at this point. Yeah, of course, the big one, like you said, get an offensive-minded coach. Uh, flip that old-school kind of headspace that we have seen in New England for quite some time where you're just hammer, hammer, hammer on the run uh, and throwing the ball when you need to uh, over these last couple years. Second thing, uh, O-line needs a little bit of help. They've been kind of lackluster these last few years, uh, not helping Mac Jones too much, but, of course, Mac Jones hasn't been making quite the best decisions himself. Um, last thing, Quit throwing money at not worthy receivers. I mean, like Devontae Parker, you know, not really needing uh, big time money. You let Jacoby Myers walk, and, you know, we saw him become like a really valid wide receiver too, or like a 1.5 almost for the Raiders. Uh, and Juju Smith Schuster just has not been putting up the numbers uh, to really warrant his value right now. So I think you need to surround whoever you do bring in at quarterback with the right pieces, and maybe you start seeing a different direction for this uh, franchise. Yeah, so first off, my first plan of action, go get an offensive mind. We talked about it a ton yesterday. Uh, Being and me, uh, Ben Johnson, any of those guys I think would fit in really well. Once you got your offensive mind, you got to go get a quarterback, and whoever you hire is going to have a lot of say in that process. Uh, now, we saw uh, in Carolina what that process may look like of a coach coming in and choosing his guy, and it may or may not work out. But um, I think I'd trust Bien me and Ben Johnson to make the right decision. So, you know, maybe they bring in a Jaden Daniels, because um, I, I don't think they'll have an opportunity for May or Williams. Um, so Jane Daniels would probably be your next best option. And I think he'd be a really good one, too. Not that you know uh, he's bad or anything, but I, I think he'd be a good option. And once you've got him, once you've got your coach, and then it's the process of, okay, let's beef up our line. Let's get a solid offensive line so we at least can see what he can do. Because I think the problem with the Panthers this year was, you know, Bryce Young was running for his life almost every play. And he was getting hit every play. And it's hard to really uh, 
kind of dictate what he's going to look like long term when you've got an insufficient offensive line and insufficient weapons. So I think the first step is get a new coach, offensive-minded guy, go get your quarterback of the future, and let's use some of that offensive money, or excuse me, the the free agent money to beef up our line, let's protect him, and then we can kind of go from there. I think that would be the best process at the moment. So now let's move over to the NFC, where there's another decision that could be made, and that's decision time in Chicago. So yesterday the Bears fired their offensive coordinator, Luke Getze, but will retain head coach Matt Eberflus. Getze departs Chicago after two seasons spent as offensive coordinator of the Bears, who finished 28th in total offense in 2022, including dead last in passing, and improved to 20th in total offense in 2023, but still struggled through the air and in the campaign ranked 27th in passing. So is Getze's firing a scapegoat for Eberflus's underachieving tenure so far? Yes and no. I think partly it is. Certainly the, the offensive system did not work. So I think it was the right move to move on from Getze um, and try to find, like you said, a different offensive mind perhaps to come in. Um, I also think maybe that they were retaining Eberflus because Fields Fields is a guy that Eberflus wanted to coach. They brought Eberflus in to coach Justin Fields, Poles, also drafted Justin Fields, so I think he maybe wanted to keep the regime together, perhaps. Um, so maybe you did make Getzey the scapegoat, if you will, just to say, well, you know, Fields is an Eberflus guy. Eberflus is in here to coach Fields. We want to keep that together, and, and you know, maybe you should move on, but they're not going to. Um, if it continues to struggle next season, if you go get another another offensive mind and it still does not work, then I think you could look at Eberflus and say, well, maybe you, you fired the wrong guy. Yeah. Yeah, I, I definitely think Getze is sort of a scale. I'm kind of towing the line like you are, Dawson. Uh, you know, seven wins isn't the worst thing in the league, especially for this Bears squad with what they had. Uh, offense definitely didn't help them. They never played very good uh, against good teams consistently. Uh, so I think Getze getting him out of here is the right direction. Uh, and I think if you stick with Fields, you try to go out and find somebody who plays to his strengths as a dual threat. Um, but yeah, Eberflus, I still I think sticking with him for right now, uh, good decision. But like you said, next year if things are still kind of up in the air, maybe time to move on. I was a little bit surprised of how they really didn't make that big of a jump this year with all they got this offseason. Now I thought DJ Moore was a huge huge piece for them because he's a guy that. Um, a, I'm very surprised the Panthers even bothered giving up because uh, I mean he's a stud, and Mooney's been really big for them. You got Cole Komet, you got some targets, and now I know Justin Fields missed a little bit of time this year, um, but it felt like the the offense under Getzey was kind of, in, in my opinion at least, a little bit of a scapegoat, scapegoat for Eberflus. I, I think that you know you've had back to back years underachieving, and, and when you add a couple of nice pieces this this offseason and um, it's still not working out, I think that starts at head coach. And um, it'll be very interesting to see if they're able to go get an offensive mind because how, you know, how, how good is that job, you know, to be the offensive coordinator of the Bears, not even, you know, run your own team. Like, when you think of the top guys available right now in terms of offensive minds, they're all looking to get head coaching positions not to go be under someone that very well could get fired next season. That's a tough position to be in. So um, I think they're kind of putting themselves at a disadvantage with that move. And if they were going to 
you know, fire Getsy because of the offense, I might as well just fire Eberflus too and start completely fresh. And this kind of alludes into my next question. So, as we know, the Bears hold the number one pick from the Panthers from that Bryce Young trade last year in the upcoming NFL draft. And they have the opportunity to select Caleb Williams, who has probably been the most highly touted prospect we've seen probably since uh, maybe Trevor Lawrence, Andrew Luck, like in that realm. So uh, do they stay with Justin Fields or do they, they, they take the chance on the generational talent in Caleb Williams? Uh, this is tough. I'm probably in the minority here. I think a lot of people are going to say, yes, they probably should pull the trigger. For me, uh, being a fan of a franchise who has drafted a franchise quarterback at number one, um, and we've had our own struggles with that decision. It, it even almost got an entire regime fired um, because of the struggles of, of what happened. I would say no. I would stick with where they're at. I think they could get a generational haul for the second straight year for the number one pick, move back a couple spots with the New England or, or the Raiders, and draft a receiver, get, get a Marvin Harrison or Malik Neighbors, and then go just see if it works. You'd have three bona fide wide receiver targets at that point. You'd have a, a tight end target as well. You may beef up the line with your second pick. They have a second first-round pick as well. I think it's number 10 or somewhere in, in that range. Mm-hmm. You go get one of the offensive linemen. And then if it doesn't work after that, maybe you start looking at quarterback in the future. To me, if you miss with this pick on Williams, it's going to be another pick that gets the whole regime fired. Yeah. I, I, just, yeah. I don't think it takes you anywhere forward. Yeah, uh, right now I do think Fields is kind of still their option right now. I mean, we've seen him be all right sometimes. I mean, I don't think he's taken that step up to where, you know, he's going to be your bona fide guy. I mean, I just don't think he's proven it just yet. Kind of, like you said, underwhelming under Getze. Uh I really do like your idea, Dawson, of moving back in the draft, getting a couple uh, more big-time picks, um, maybe picking up uh, Fashanu out of Penn State. Maybe that's a good one. And like you said, sitting right now at uh, the number 9 or 10 spot, I mean, you know, Odunes is probably going to still be there from that Washington squad. So picking up another offensive asset is – or two offensive assets at that four fields can be uh, – really good for that uh i guess franchise if they can figure out a guy to run that offense so right now i'd hit the brakes on picking up caleb williams with that number one spot yeah i i think you can't not take caleb williams here mm-hmm. because i feel like if you don't take him and he turns out to be what everyone thinks he has the opportunity to be then you're going to look back on that trade or that decision and be like, that was something that could have changed this franchise, you know? And, you know, it's not like I'm saying that Caleb Williams is automatically going to be a Hall of Famer, all this stuff, but with everything that scouts have told you over the last two years, the guy's been getting breaking down or broken down since he was a, a, a sophomore, before he was even able to come into the draft as the next big thing. And that's very rare that happens. And I think Justin Fields has shown – a lot this year. I think he's improved uh, marginally each season, but I don't know if he's shown enough for him to be the guy long-term over a guy that could very well be a Hall of Famer. Well, to me, it's just I see that, and if he turns out to be a franchise guy, then yeah, you're going to regret that. But to me, I think of it on the other end. If you pick him at number one, and he is not the franchise guy that everyone has scouted him to be, and I know their scouts especially are very high on Caleb Williams, but if he does not turn out to be that guy, it's going to be the same regret, and you're going to have to start all over again. You start the clock over for a third time in what's going to be basically five years. 
I think you'd rather stick with the option you know you have now, get him some weapons, and then if it doesn't work, then you say, all right, well, it's time to, it's time to officially start over. But I think the Bears are trending in the right direction currently. I think, you know, last year beefing up the offensive line, getting uh, getting right, and then adding D.J. Moore, Mooney's been really big, Cole Komet, you've got some weapons that can make them, you know, it's not like they're throwing them nothing. Like, I, I kind of felt like Bryce Young was in a tough situation this year because of his weapons out there. Adam Thielen at age 34 is not a, uh, can't be your number wide receiver one. And that offensive line was terrible too. So with those two picks they have, if you, you know, like you mentioned, you can go get a another offensive lineman at that what a 10, 9 spot, whatever it is. And if you get Williams, that means in your last couple drafts, you've got two top 10 offensive linemen. You've got a, a quarterback at number one that's supposed to be the next big thing. You've got a lot of good weapons. I don't think it's a terrible situation. I don't think it's a terrible idea. And if Eberflus wants to save him time, you know, I, I I would take the rookie and be like, hey, okay, hey, look, it's the rookie year. Give me some more time. So in a selfish way for Eberflus, I, I might buy into it. You buy yourself a few extra years at least. It, exactly. Yeah. Exactly. Now, it could go the complete opposite way, like we saw in Carolina this year with uh, Frank Reich, you know, getting the, the door shown to him 12 games in the season. But I, I don't. I think the Bears are in a better situation than the Panthers were. So uh, the way I look at it, I, I just don't see how you can pass up on Caleb Williams. I, I, I just don't. And I know recently he hasn't done himself many favors with all the, you know, finger painting and uh, – <laughs> Uh, saying, you know, saying he won't get, he won't go to certain places uh, if he doesn't want to. Wants an ownership stake too. Yeah, I mean, it was weird. yeah, yeah. Now that's uh, what I call doing too much. But um, I, I don't think you can mess can miss on him. And I think if you trade Fields, you can get a serviceable product out of that as well. I mean, trade him to a team like Atlanta. Say uh, Atlanta, you need a quarterback. We know that. Let's get a a second or third round pick for Justin Fields, and then boom. You know, you talked about wide receiver. You might not be able to get Marvin Harrison, but hey, there could very well be a Roma Dunze available. There could very well be uh, a couple other options in that second and third round that you go get another guy, and then boom, you've got Cole Komet, DJ Moore, Daryl Mooney, and, and your second round, third round wide receiver pick. And I think that that would be a good a good setup for a rookie quarterback. And hey, doesn't work out year one necessarily. You know, it's just his rookie year. So I think Eberflus. In the back of his mind, I know Justin Fields is his guy, but if he wants some more time, that might not be the the worst decision. Um, so I ask this real quick: Who outside? Uh, so who's the best quarterback outside of May and Williams? Is it Jaden Daniels in y'all's opinion? It's a hundred percent Jaden Daniels, right? I don't yeah, think there's yeah. a debate. It's Daniels, and then probably Penix after that, in my opinion. Yeah, I mean, you you saw what he did. Of course, he he had Malik Neighbors, who of course you're you know. Might as well have been a Boletnikoff himself, too. Uh, besides that, I mean, he put up more yards than any Heisman has, like, ever, I believe, in a regular season. So, I mean, that kind of speaks for itself, just his uh, what he put out there on the field and got that LSU team with that horrible defense to, like, 9-3 and three or whatever they ended up being. Uh, speaks volumes. I, I think it could really translate over. Where would y'all throw Bo Nix in that mix? Because – uh, Bo Nix is a guy that's had two really good college football seasons. Most efficient player and quarterback back to back, or excuse me, most efficient quarterback in college football back to back years. This year led the the country in uh, uh, completion percentage. Um, 
I know he's a little bit undersized, but I think he also had a really good year and he's had a good time at Oregon. Kind of flipped the script because coming out of Auburn, really didn't know if he was going to turn out to anything. And I think the last two years, you've seen, okay, this guy can maybe win a game or two. Do you think, would you have him in that mix of Penix? Maybe in the mix. I still don't put him above any of those guys, but he's in the mix for sure. He had a great year at Oregon, and I think you have to acknowledge that. I still don't think he's quite to the level of Penix or Daniels yet, though. Yeah, right now NFL's got him as the fifth quarterback off the board. I'm, I kind of feel sickened with that, too. You yeah. know, you get those really talented guys. Granted, uh, both him and Penix are up there in age, so, I mean, it's really not going to help uh, their stack, stock that much, but both of them put up pretty stellar years these last two seasons. So, I mean, he won't be off the board too much or won't be on the board too much longer after Penix is swept up. Okay, good stuff there. All right, 865-546-8200, your number if you want to hop in here on this Thursday night edition of Overtime. When we come back, we'll give you our best bets of the night. Are you ready to flash that dazzling smile? Well, look no further than Knoxville Smiles. Our experienced team is here to give you the care and attention you deserve. From routine checkups and cleanings to advanced cosmetic treatments, we've got you covered. Say goodbye to dental worries and hello to a confident, radiant smile. Don't wait any longer. Schedule your appointment today and unlock the power of your smile. Call 865-539-1776 to schedule your appointment today or just visit KnoxvilleSmiles.com. Is your home's exterior in need of a makeover? If so, it's time to call North Knox Siding and Windows. Transform your home's curb appeal with premium siding options. From classic to modern styles, they've got something to suit every taste. Upgrade to energy-efficient windows that'll keep your home comfortable all year round while saving you money on your energy bills. North Knox Siding and Windows. Get ready to fall in love with your home all over again. Online at NorthKnoxSidingAndWindows.com. Are you tired of looking at that piece of furniture that is wore down but you don't want to get rid of it? Go see our friends at Sun Upholstery and Fabric. Locally and family owned and operated with over 67 years of combined experience. Located at 8913 Oak Ridge Highway. Give them a call today at 865-237-3272 or visit them online at fabricsun.com. That's fabricsun.com and be sure to tell Stan that you heard about him right here on Fan Run Radio. Ever been the coach who realized the team's gear just wasn't up to par? Well, if I'm being honest, that was me. Just a downright irresponsible and plain bad coach. Then, SM Athletics changed the game. I want you to picture this. I walk into their store, a coach with a vision. SM Athletics didn't just see a coach. They saw a team's potential. And they delivered custom uniforms so striking. Our team's spirit soared. From cutting edge apparel to top-notch equipment, SM Athletics transformed our presence. No more unreliable online orders or envying the other team's style. SM Athletics stands for quality, design, and on-time delivery every time. Coaches, elevate your team with SM Athletics. Call 865. 966-3434 or visit smathletics.com. Get the best for your team. Delivered right and on time. So, elevate your team's game by contacting SM Athletics today. When it's past high noon, it's time for a vodka soda made with a vodka you've actually heard of. I'm talking White Claw vodka soda made with White Claw premium vodka. JB Smooth only drinks vodka soda made with the world's smoothest vodka. And you can too. Pick you up a bottle of the triple wave filtered vodka that's been distilled five times. White Claw Premium Vodka comes in four flavors. Black cherry, mango, pineapple, and just vodka. You haven't had vodka like this. 
no one has. White Claw Premium Vodka. Please drink responsibly. Attention service members and veterans. Introducing the Griffin Law Firm, your trusted ally in military legal matters. Whether it's fighting for your rights, navigating complex regulations, or seeking justice, at Griffin Law, your mission is their mission. Here's VFL Marshall Griffin. As a veteran and retired military attorney, I've successfully defended lifelong benefits and helped preserve professional futures. So I know that when you hire a military justice lawyer, you maximize your chance to get relief. With my unique experience, I can advocate for you because there's no military matter that's too big or too small. Let us help you make these critical decisions that could affect the rest of your life. Remain silent, request counsel, call Griffin Law. For a free consultation, call 888-707-4282. That's 888-707-4282. Or visit griffinlawdefense.com. Segment number three of our number one here on Overtime on a Thursday night, live from the White Call Hard Seltzer Studios. It's now time for our best bets of the night. Uh, Dawson went 2-0 and last night. Congrats, Dawson. Uh, I went 1-1 and myself on the picks I gave out on here. And uh, Jace was not here, so we'll get him back involved tonight. Uh, I'll start off with my three. I got three picks in college basketball, and we begin with Florida Atlantic at minus seven. Uh, Florida Atlantic's offense is 11th in the country in offensive efficiency versus Tulane, who's 210th in defense. Uh, Great bounce back spot for Florida Atlantic. I like them tonight. Uh, Illinois minus three. Huge size mismatch tonight. Miss, uh, Michigan State only has a couple players that play that are over 6-6. Illinois, we saw them here a couple weeks ago, very lengthy, a lot of length defending, and I think it's way too much for Illinois. I like them at home. Finally, Utah minus 8.5, the 28th ranked offense in the Utes with three players shooting over 38% from three. A lot of good shooters on this team, and they know how to get open. They play really fast, and UCLA is 327th in offensive pace this year, so they're going to be all out of sorts against a very quick and very potent shooting team for Utah. I like them at 8.5 tonight. My three bets, FAU minus 7, Illinois minus 3, Utah minus 8.5. Dawson. Oh, you stole my thunder before I could even do it. I also had written down Illinois. I saw okay. them at 3.5 at 3 is even better. Uh, Illinois losing a close one to Purdue uh, last week, but we saw them at Thompson Bowling Arena. They're a very good squad. I think they'll bounce back. They're on home floor, um, and you already kind of touched on them, but I took them at 3.5. At my other one, I'm going back to the NBA. Spurs got me back over the hump last night. All right. Um, so, so big one there. Uh, I'm going to take the Lakers minus one and a half Lakers. at home against the Phoenix Suns. Uh, I am a Suns guy myself. Unfortunately, I got to pick against them tonight. They're still trying to figure things out. The, yeah. the big three that they brought in is just not really working. They're also not really healthy. Uh, which is not proving to be a, a winning formula. Lakers playing some good basketball. They're 5-2 and two in, in the Pacific Division. Uh, and a big win against the Clippers the other night. Uh, they're coming off a big win there. The Suns, 3-7 and seven against the Pacific Division. Not, not a good start for them at all. Um, so I took the Lakers at minus 1.5. I pretty much matched your picks over there. I found earlier today, I found 
Illinois at home against Michigan State minus two and a half. So I jumped on that one. Uh, Michigan State not being great on the road. I think they've only played like three true road games, and they haven't won one. It was one. two, is what oh, I maybe saw. Maybe two, but... but they haven't won one. I know no. for sure. They they played good against at home against Baylor, but besides that, I mean, we really haven't seen too much out of that squad. So I've got the Illini taking it home over the Spartans. I've got Lakers money line over the Suns right now. I just checked the books uh, on ESPN bet, and they've got Phoenix minus one and a half. So, I mean, those small lines are kind of scary for me. I'd rather just hit the money line if there's like a plus 102 or something. Just give me that. So, Lakers coming off a controversial win against the Raptors. Didn't hit my minus four and a half, but I'm just going to keep rolling with my Lakers. All right. Okay, so a lot of bets for you guys tonight. I've got FAU minus 7, Illinois minus 3, Utah minus 8.5, Dawson with Illinois minus 3.5. We'll give them the minus 3. Um, and Lakers minus 1.5. And then Jace with Illinois minus 2.5. I guess we'll all combine for minus 3 here. 3 award. And uh, Lakers money line at plus 102. So, yeah. so, so Something about that, I know. It's okay. it's kind of lingering about that like plus 100, just kind of almost even. Okay. But So uh, Jace giving out a little juice tonight on the bit. picks. So uh, let's hope we can have another good night. Um, Dawson, I want to touch on real quick. You talked about the Suns. Um, the, the Suns are a, an interesting team because – Anytime there are these big trades that go down in the NBA, everyone salivates over, oh my gosh, it's Kevin Durant, Bradley Beal, Devin Booker, all in one court. It's only one basketball. And the problem is, when you have all three of those guys, it's not a whole lot of money to disperse. And that's why you've got you know Bates Diop out there um, and some guys that really shouldn't be playing valuable minutes in an NBA game in 2024. And I think the problem with the Suns right now is not only do they not have a good bench, but also those three guys in Beal, Durant, and Booker are still trying to figure out their footing. And a lot of it, when they played preseason together, I watched them a couple times just to see what they would kind of look like. And it was a lot of isolation ball. Um, just a lot of kind of, you know, all right, all right, Book, it's uh, your possession here. All right, all right, Bradley, come on, see what you can do here. And I don't think that's a recipe for success. And I know it's flashy, and I know it sells tickets, bringing all those guys in, but I don't think that's what wins you games. And last year, the Denver Nuggets, you know, Jokic is great, Jamal Murray is great, but I thought what made that team the, a champion was the fact they had lengthy, lengthy defenders and guys that could play multiple positions. Contavious Caldwell-Pope, Aaron Gordon, Michael Porter Jr., and offensively, they could get it done from the three-point line or, in Aaron Gordon's case, you know, it was a great rebounder, uh, would give him second chances off a rebound. And, you know, they had a couple guys coming off the bench and Jeff Green and Christian Braun, uh, guys that might not be playing huge minutes but can come in and play serviceable minutes. And I think that's a better recipe for success than – getting the home run hit that's going to end up on Bleacher Report and all the Instagram Sports Center fans will eat it up because it's big. But I don't think it's a recipe to win in, in 2024 in this day and age. Well, they did it two years ago. I mean, yeah. that's, that's how they got to the NBA Finals with that squad that came out of the bubble and they, they've made a few tweaks. Um, but they had Devin Booker, who is great. They had Chris Paul, who is great in their own right. But then they had pieces like Jay Crowder that came in and were able to be serviceable role players that, that uh, played to the strengths of Booker and Paul uh, instead of where you've got three guys now that, yeah, they are all-stars, they are proven guys, but, man, when you don't have anything around them, and when they're, A, not healthy, and, B, not just not playing very well together on the floor, 
it certainly contributes to the Suns being currently a play-in team. I was actually surprised when I looked that the Suns are still in a play-in spot. I had not thought they had started that well, but uh, just over 500, somehow they're still in a play-in spot. Yeah, Lakers in that spot as well. Oh, yeah, we're, we're under 500 right now. So you're, so you're a Lakers I guy. I am a Lakers okay, fan. Okay, so we yes. got a Lakers guy. Dawson, yes. you're a Suns guy. Okay, I'm a Grizzlies guy. Um, a tough <laughs> week for me. Um, See, I've had some disputes with some Grizzlies guys, but uh, – of course, that that happened last year, just around the turn of the playoffs. So uh-huh. I, I had the upper hand there because of that. Yeah. But then Denver laid his on us. Yeah. So. Well, I used to give last year. I used to give Bismack Biombo strays because <laughs> I was like, I, I'd go on and be like, if Bismack Biombo is playing meaningful minutes in 2023, there's a problem with your roster. And let alone uh, the Grizzlies ended up signing him. He just got waved goodbye mm-hmm. yesterday. Thank yep. gosh. Um, but yeah, it's kind of kind of full circle how he ended up playing. It for the was Grizzlies. kind of fun to see every now and then because every now and then he'd make a play where you'd be like, <laughs> "Man, I forgot he could do that." Coming yeah. off the bench, and you'd be like, "Oh, maybe he's not that bad." And, well. And then we know you, how that turned out, obviously. Yeah, and and then you see him try to rebound the ball, and you're like, oh, yeah, well. that's yeah. Well, that's why he was in especially Cancun. against uh, Nikola Jokic in the playoffs. Uh, uh, not uh, not a good situation. Uh, a nightmare. A nightmare. All right, best bets is done, and we're done with hour number one here on overtime. Join us in hour number two as we talk about Dan Lanning staying in Oregon and what's next for Bama. Rogers Utility Solutions, a division of Rogers Hydrant Service, is a family-run Tennessee-based business since 2015. Now serving municipalities and residences in 14 states, Rogers offers fire hydrant flow 